I'm so glad to see that you're feeling better. You had a very close call. But you're gonna be all right. Now, just lie still. I'm gonna give you something. It's gonna make you feel even better. Johnny. You want to go on an adventure? Where? We're going on a butthole sniffing adventure. Come on. All right. You ready to do this? We are doing it. Bringing it to you live. Live from the basement of the Bearded Dick's Pleasure Dome. It's Tuesday night. It's the Bearded Dick's Musical Fun Time. My Fuck. name is Ben the Beardo. Fuck. And sitting across me ready to fuck. Dick so funny. You ain't Fuck. ready. Oh, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. You ready? I'm ready. Uh, uh, uh. You gonna open that fucking disco box, dog? Yeah, I got it here. You wanna see what's inside? Oh, fucking open it for me, daddy. Oh. Oh. Fucking shit. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be a sexy episode. Yeah, it's not. It's not. So, yeah. I I don't even know where to begin. We came strong out the gate. I know, we did. <laughs> and now I've shot my load preemptively. And now I need a nap. Yeah, now I'm I'm nap ready. So, Fetty on Fetty. Um, you know, I go through these phases, these cycles, these things, and... Earlier this year, I talked a lot about Linecraft, who's a Japanese industrial noise artist <clears throat> from Japan who makes very broken, broken-sounding industrial music with a heavy emphasis on uh, metal bashing. And when I first got his album Apocalypse Factory, which came out, I, I guess it was this year, um... I was on my way to a funeral listening to it for the first time, and it just so happened that I went to a funeral a couple weeks ago, and that's what I was listening to, and I thought, that's weird. And <laughs> then I just have been listening to nothing but Linecraft, and not in any kind of celebration of the people who have passed or anything, it's just a sort of weird happenstance, but somewhat remarkable and noteworthy. Um, and when I got into Linecraft, I fell hard. It was like the first time I did Blow. I was just immediately, I want more of this, and I want to do it as often as possible. And maybe I'll put some of it up my butt. Yeah, and I was playing Near Automata at the time, which I still have not beaten because... You have to beat it three times. Yeah, but I am on the third playthrough, so I beat the second playthrough because I put on Linecraft the other day and was like, well, fuck it, now let's play some Nier, and I'm back at it. So it's just basically where I was at six months ago. My life has not changed, and I do not grow as a person. <laughs> uh, but I bought a lot of other tapes besides this Apocalypse Factory, which I've previously reviewed when our musical fun time and regular episode Brawl is one. Uh, and again, huge recommendation on that al album, but I'm not going to recommend it twice officially 
uh, but I bought a lot of other stuff that I didn't really get to process as much. And a lot of it was tapes that I didn't have time to rip into MB3, so I don't have the ability to listen to it at work, so I don't get to sort of intake it as, as much as the other stuff. And some of it was like, I got it right at the end of when I was moving into the next genre I was obsessing over at that time. So my first uh, recommendation is Linecraft's cassette. It's sort of a mixture. It's not, I wouldn't really say it's a full album because it has a huge live track as part of the B-side. And I mean, it is a collection of tracks that are all taken from a single era and it has a consistent sound, but not, not really a proper album. It's more of like an EP with an extended live track attached to it. It's called uh, Iwatsuki and it came out on Old Europa Cafe in 2017. It's pretty limited, I think it's 60 copies, but he's not a huge artist, so you can still get it for a reasonable price. It comes in an oversized um, folder thing right here. It's got some minimal but interesting artwork that fits the vibe. And it was, when I first got it, I was surprised because in comparison to his earliest work, it is substantially less aggressive and compared even to his sort of mid-period work at this point, it's infinitely more broken and raw. It's at the same time like really well recorded. So these broken sounds don't come through like in a way of uh, distorted frequencies and things like that. They're still very well composed, but it's like the literal sound sources he uses just sound like dead and dying. And, and you heard this a little bit tonight when we yeah. were preparing for the episode it's like it's not it's musical but not really it's it's like kind of free form but it's it it has a really consistent tone and approach that i think works when you listen to it on the whole and it's definitely really good music for late night listening um the live set that's in there doesn't detract from the whole thing it fits right in with the rest of it it sounds like it, it could be part of it and um, yeah, I was just sort of thinking about it earlier today in preparation for this. It's, it's interesting, like how he's evolved as an artist so far, because his earlier stuff pre pre Linecraft was with a group called Mothra, which is just sick and makes me want to watch Godzilla movies really badly. Oh God. Can <clears throat> I? Yes, absolutely. And, uh, you may be hearing reviews of those in the near future <laughs> on uh, Motel Hell, but, um, his early stuff is like, or his Mothra stuff has, it's a mixture of like kraut rock and Japanese industrial. Some of the songs are like way more like straight up power electronics and brutal. And other ones are like getting into this groovy, but like using metal percussion and like, like swooshy synths and stuff. And like really has like a very, the, of the kraut rock bands they are closest to new. And they specifically remind me of the, the track negative land as like a whole aesthetic, but with a, junked up tetsuo the iron man aspect to it and all of his music very much is like the literal soundtrack to tetsuo the iron man yeah. like it should just be it's it it plays off of what chu ishikawa did back in the late 80s and 90s with tetsuo and turns it into something that's much more geared towards like proper noise heads and stuff like that but his work post Mothra, the early Linecraft is like brutal and like really aggro metal slamming and like super heavy distortion. It's much closer to harsh noise, but still is like primarily industrial than the next phase, which became this like almost death industrial, but with none of the 
sort of modern trappings of it. It's like just this broken sounding, really grim, like still metal abuse, but like taken down several notches, a lot less distortion, way more atmospherics. And now again, we're at this broken shit. Um, and to sort of dovetail into that, my second recommendation is the Kazocraft album, which is called Integrity of Preconscious Systems, also on Old Europa Cafe, came out in 2014. This is one of the CDs I, I got right at the end of um, when I was picking all this shit up earlier this year. And it's a collaboration with Casadio, who's a, an Italian heavy electronics artist. And he very much takes the reins on this. It seems like Linecraft sent him source material and said, like, fuck with this. And so it's like the metal bashing comes in and out of focus and is like primarily the the filler but the the main parts of the tracks are these like ridiculously heavy synth stuff it's it's almost a lot of it's like a uh an instrumental uh power electronics kind of a, a sound to it and so you get like a lot of gurgling bass heavy synths but also a lot of this like sort of broken it sounds like 1998 meets 2018 in a lot of ways even though the album came out four years ago it's a very interesting meld and it there's um, an early highlight, which has Andy Grant from the Vomit Arsonist on vocals. That's like this commanding power electronics track that like alternates between breaks with like weird glitchy synth stuff, like not even glitchy, but like broken synth stuff. And then like going back into this like slamming rhythmic metal shit with just like commanding brutal tyrant vocals and then back into synth stuff. It's like eight minutes long. It's fucking sick. It's uh, something lobotomy is the uh, the name of the track. I think it's number four. And then the last song on it is called Gamma Decay, I believe. And is when I listened to it like properly for the first time a couple weeks ago. I was sitting in my my uh, den on the couch at like two in the morning. I was like, I got to go to bed after this song. I didn't know that it was like ten minutes long. <laughs> and it's really cool because the synths are fantastic. It's like the best on the whole album. And then it uses the metal so effectively and it goes between like a synth focus and a metal focus this back and forth not even like a call and response but a little bit of that kind of a feeling and it just like breaks down throughout the course of the whole track in a way that like autiker breaks their songs mm -hmm. down and by the end it's just these like fucked up like source recordings of metal beating with like these breaking down synths and the whole album is like Delta radiation, gamma decay, alpha signal, and like it has this very much like heavy, like 1960s style massive computers that are the size of rooms mixed with like turbines and like industrial equipment sort of fusion of, of like the new digital with the old like legitimate mechanical machinery shit that's just like fuck, like <laughs> real nice. <laughs> And they did one other release together that was this ultra-limited lathe cut that's like $70 now that I haven't heard and don't have. But all the other lathe cuts that came out at the same time on OEC were so uh, supposed to be... On that one. Yeah, we're supposed to be phenomenal. And it's one of those things where I'm like looking at it lately and I'm like, maybe I should drop 70 bucks and get like, you know, four songs or something. But uh, we'll, we'll see. I might report back on a later disco box. But so three episodes from now, <laughs> you're probably gonna own that record. Probably, yeah. So, um, yeah. I mean, I I really can't say. I thought about doing like ten Minecraft recommendations for this episode, and then I thought that might be overkill. 
But for anybody who listens who's a noise head, if you don't know Linecraft, I really recommend it. Like his albums are slow burners for the most part. They're, the first two, which are impossible to get, are much more assaultive. But everything like post 2012, starting with his album on Black Plague and then going from there, are a lot headier affairs. And they really reward attentive listening because he's got a real ear for developing turning chaos into like proper tracks and apocalypse factory is sort of like the perfection of that thus far which is his like most recent proper album and has like three different apocalypse factory songs there's one two and three and then there's like songs in between them and it really flows like an album the the one song is called public bondage and it has like this like constantly changing rhythmic sections but like really fucking fantastic it's very much like old school industrial feeling because it's so much metal and clang and all this shit but produced in a way that gives it more clarity than ever but doesn't suffer it doesn't sound like digital and cheap it sounds like like i'm so jealous of his ability to abuse metal in this way it's so good like i wish i could do this for concrete mascara so badly so yeah and and i'll end this part of it with I was really on the fence about going to the Hospital Productions big event this year. I went last year for their 20th anniversary, I think it was, or 25th, and I guess it was the 20th. Um, it was awesome. I mean, there were some of the acts were weaker than others, but Skin Crime played, Geography of Hell played, um, even the Rainforest Spiritual Enslavement set was really nice. Amos Sanglante played, and that was fantastic. I'm not a huge Bone All guy, but they were a big draw for a lot of people. It was cool. But they're doing it again this year, and there's a, a much heavier focus on electronic music rather than, like, proper noise. And one of the only proper noise people is Linecraft. He's coming from Japan to play, and I'm going. I decided, fuck it, I'm buying a ticket. It's all day long. Like, I don't even want to see half the people <laughs> there. I don't, I don't even want to be there for that long. Like, it just seems exhausting, and I haven't even gone yet. But, like, I am fucking stoked to see Linecraft. It's going to be fucking sick. So... So yeah, if anybody's coming that listens, uh, hit me uh, with a message on our Instagram and we can meet up and... Slide right into them dick meets, them yeah, DMs. Exactly. exactly. So, not totally different, but a little bit different. My last recommendation for this week... Hanson. Hanson. Mm-bop. No, New Hanson. New Hanson? There's New Hanson. There is a New Hanson. Is yeah. it the same three boys? Yep. They're all adults now. Huh. Yeah. So anyway, which which Hanson album? Yeah, it's uh, I am at a loss. They're all so <laughs> good. I celebrate their entire discography. So, yeah, no, um, <laughs> totally threw me off. So my last pick is Operation Clean Sweeps, uh, Power Hungry on Tesco. It's an LP. It's limited to five hundred, I think, from nineteen ninety six, and. There are a couple different reasons why I picked this. First of all, I've been listening to it a lot again recently, and it's just an incredible album of German heavy electronics. Genocide Organ is the most famous group from Germany. They're one of the most famous power electronics bands or groups or whatever, uh, and they get everybody knows them. And then Zephalia, who's also part of Genocide Organ, is also extremely well known. But Operation Clean Sweep Bar famously reclusive they rarely play live and they split up as a duo after i think they're like they did like you know four records i think in total Mm -hmm. and the one guy went on and does 
singular operation singular clean sweep or singular operation clean sweep and the other guy does something else that escapes me and essentially my understanding is after their initial LP and EP on Tesco it was all sort of downhill it just wasn't nothing was as good and hit as hard and basically the format of the album is they find a synth they find a sample and occasionally they add vocals and they just let them it's not exactly loop but just play and modulate for six to 14 minutes right and it works because they like genocide organ focus on unsavory politics um and they don't give a clear answer of like is this a white supremacist group or are they just like exposing the cd underbelly of america but operation clean sweep refers to i only recently found out an fbi um operation that they did i guess it was incorporated ruby ridge was part of it but Mm -hmm. i don't think waco was Mm -hmm. and it was waco was different yeah so it was basically the fbi trying to um infiltrate and break down a bunch of white supremacist groups in the with hilarious results yeah 80s and early up until the early 90s yeah i I don't know a ton about it and it's hard to find because there's a a completely different operation clean sweep which is some other wholly different thing when you google it there there's a there's a very good documentary that kind of delves into it it's mainly about uh timothy mcveigh and the oklahoma city bombing Mm -hmm. but there's a good like 20 to 30 minutes that they just spend on operation clean sweep okay and how that kind of funneled with waco and that into mcveigh doing Doing what he did city bombing yeah and so, to give a shout-out to last podcast, I finally got around to listening to their McVeigh episodes, which I've been dying to do but sort of forgot about for a long time, and that reminded me, and I was already listening to this, and I was like, oh, shit, I never put that together. But before you listen to that, go listen to the newest episode of Motel Hell, yeah, where absolutely. you can find me, Ben the Beardo, and Dick Fetty. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, good plug. <laughs> <laughs> But the first track is called White Patriots, and it's this whole, it's like, you know, let all of our legions know that, like, we will stand with them, and, like, it's all this, it's basically, like, speeches from some white power interviews slash rally slash meeting, whatever it is, and they're, they're maybe mostly just loop, and then there's a couple that are, like, a little different in the beginning, and there's some that end it, and it's this, like, the last part of it's like, it's like, you know, uh, each benign to Deutschlander, something, something, Zig Heil, white power. And then the song like fades out and it's just like menacing and sinister and, and just like doesn't build or get crazy. It's just like, just this fucking, it is German heavy electronics at its, at, at its best. And then the next song is called lesson one. And it's got these like totally fucking flanged out vocals and you can't understand what he's saying. And it's like something like, Something will burn. Something will burn. And it's just like... For like eight minutes. We, we played Red Dead Redemption yeah, of all things to it. strangely fits riding around the American countryside on a horse with a hat on. Half of the other songs all feature samples. I think some of which are Timothy McVeigh. So this came out in 96. Oklahoma was what? 94? Don't quote me on this. I'm not sure off the top of my head. It was it was 1995. The 1995. Was, that's 1995. what it was. So I think that so it sounds like I knew. Yeah, you bet. You bet. Um, anyway, so it very well could be McVeigh. I don't know McVeigh's speaking voice enough. Like it, it wouldn't take me probably a lot of time to figure that out. 
and it, or it could just be from other people but it's interesting because there's a whole sample about ruby red on the last track on the a side that's you know goes on and on and repeats and then the other the big highlight there's only six tracks on the whole album but like i said they're all mostly really long the fifth track is called fuck your brains out and it's just it's like throbbing throbbing synth electronics it's so but it's like all analog shit oh my god it's so fucking good and yeah i mean i i it is it is a quintessential record a lot of part of the reason why i bought it was i had heard people talk about it on the special interest forum with this sort of reverence that doesn't you don't see with a lot of records and by like artists who i appreciate and have been around for a really long time and i emailed a couple guys about it was like you know i'm thinking about dropping a ton of money to buy this because it's been out of print for 20 years what do you think and they're like if there's one record to buy for you know a lot of money this is it like genocide organ will get reissued this that and the other but they've they've specifically declined to reissue all of their stuff so they're like it'll never get cheaper yeah. buy it now and miko aspa talks about he has two copies of the album because he's played the one copy so fucking much he's like terrified it's gonna terrified might be strong but he's concerned it'll give out eventually and he had to have a second copy so this was the most single most expensive record i ever bought i think that still holds true i've, I've paid a pretty penny for other things in my collection and it was only like i think i spent somewhere between 80 and 100 dollars all told on it which for a single album is it's it, a good amount of money it's a good amount of money but there's also like being an avid record collector albums that are so much more expensive and i like, I think of, like, the classic level of material I spent $80 on versus, like, $40 I've spent on, like, some pretty, like, what am I doing shit <laughs> where, you know, so I can't really give myself too hard of a time. Um, it's really been a gift that's continued to give. It's fantastic. There was a CDR version of the album that was later self-released that had, I think, extended versions of the songs because they're clearly mostly cut from, like, just long, long tracks and they just picked the best part. But from what I understand from those who have heard it, I think it's like super limited. Um, it doesn't really add anything getting those extra minutes. I mean, if you're a true fanatic for it, it's like great to have it, but I'm not going to drop $200 or whatever if it ever shows up. But yeah, they did their their um, EP after this is called Jerusalem. and But like the USA part of Jerusalem is in caps and... Uh, that's really tasty stuff. I've only heard it online, but I it's one of those I, I gotta pick up and yeah, I, How I mean much will I that one costs you. Only like thirty five, forty oh, bucks. Nice. Yeah, it's super reasonable. So I hugely recommend this, but good fucking luck getting a copy for a reasonable price. They they just recently put out a compilation of tracks from the past like twenty years I guess they've been working on, and I've heard it's good but a lot more mellow and it is on a very expensive Italian label called XN. And I I was the one who initially brought it to the attention of the forums, and then I never even bought a copy of myself because it was like 45 or $50 to start. And it's still selling for that much. And I'm like, you could buy the original Power Hungry for almost that price. Like, don't buy that record. Buy Power Hungry. If you can yeah. get a copy of Power Hungry, that's the one to get. And now that... Well, it's crazy. So Genocide Organ reissued Mind Control, which was their single most sought after album for a long time because it's considered by many to be their best. And the vinyl reissue is now already selling for like over $100. And Jesus. The original Mind Control sold for like anywhere, like 
dirt cheap price, two hundred dollars, mostly like four to five hundred, if not close to a thousand. Yeah, I got the reissue. I pre ordered it immediately. Oh, okay. Yeah, so but you know, that's like now that a lot of the, the most sought after things are coming back around, especially through Genocide Organ and their big Save the Slaves box that they did earlier this year. This is the one that, like, get it before it becomes impossible. Like, it's a finite amount of copies, too. So there will come a time where, you know, people will die. Their girlfriends won't care. They'll throw it in the fucking trash. And they'll be, like, you know, 300 copies left soon. So, yeah, that's it. That's my disco box recommendations. Let's close that disco box. (laughs) So, gee, I wonder what my best buy for this week could be. I'm a consumer whore. And just like everybody else, the night it came out, I went up and I picked up Red Dead Redemption 2. Mm. Now, little, what's that about? Is that little, a zombie game? Well, no. But a little bit of preface to this. Um, I played the shit out of the original. Mm-hmm. I played the shit out of the DLC, Undead Nightmare, which is fucking great. And is essentially its own standalone. I really hope they do something like this like that DLC for the new one because I will no, no questions asked if it's even if it's like fucking Red Dead Redemption 2 Unicorn Boogaloo I'll be like I'm fuck here's here's another $30 I don't fucking care the new one is phenomenal um it's gorgeous. Yeah. Slight spoiler warning. I'm not going to give any key plot points away, but I'm going to talk about uh, some things you can stumble upon. So if you don't want to hear about any of that stuff, please skip ahead. I've been avoiding all online stuff. If uh, you're like me and you just want to experience the game for yourself, uh, just skip to the end so we still get the full listen. And just know that you should go out and buy this game if if you like the first one, definitely. If you didn't play the first one, that's fine. It's actually a prequel to the first one. So don't worry about that. Don't be like, it's oh my god. about cowboys. How important is the story? Kind of important. The story is very, very good. Oh, okay. But I'll get there. So it's actually a prequel to the first Red Dead Redemption, which isn't even technically the first game in the series, but we're not going to go into that. Uh, so you're Arthur Morgan... A grizzled, grizzled outlaw. And there are some things I change about it, but I'll, I'll I'll get there. So, the game, like you said, it's absolutely fucking beautiful. Mm. The just the deformation of snow and mud in the game is incredible. Like I recently got to an area where it's like really muddy, and I didn't even realize like it was mud at first, like you would in the middle of the night because it was middle of the night and I went to jump off my horse and sank down to my knees and I was like oh oh I'm in mud and then I drew a dick but um the game's beautiful the voice acting is incredible the gunplay hasn't changed much um from the first one or GTA or GTA really but my thing versus like GTA versus Red Dead is that I didn't GTA let's say like San Andreas I cared about the story but like the more games that they put out the less I started to care about the story and I guess I maybe I just have a cowboy fantasy where I want to be a fucking outlaw in the old wild west and be a bounty hunter and have fucking two guns that I draw real quick Mm -hmm. but 
the storyline is phenomenal from everything I've played. I'm obviously haven't beaten it yet. I've read things that there's like 80 hours of fucking storyline. I'm on chapter three, um, and like I did with Spider-Man, I'll give an update uh, when I actually beat the game. I'm not gonna platinum this because I've heard some things about certain trophies that you can get that are very hard to get without a guide. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm I'm not personally a completionist, so if that's your shtick. Prepare to fucking strap in when you get this game because uh, completing it fully is not easy from yeah. what I understand. Uh, but my favorite thing about this game is just like with like the Fallout series, is just picking a spot and just riding. Yeah. Um, there is like slight tra- fast travel in the game, but honestly, if you really want to enjoy the game, do not fast travel. Do not ride. Get on your horse, go, and even if you're like, oh, I'm going to go do this mission halfway across the map, and you see something that might be interesting, fucking stop there and yeah. take a look around. Um, once again, if you don't want any spoilers, skip ahead a little bit. Uh, I found a random house, which I'm not going to give away what you can do there later, but I found out later, unfortunately, because I was on Facebook about some things that could happen there, but I got there. And I was just like, oh, what's this abandoned building? I'll go in and loot it. And I walk in, and it's essentially uh, Heaven's Gate. There's a bunch of people, well, there's a bunch of skeletons in beds, and then there's a guy wearing a big Pope-like hat sitting at a desk who's a skeleton, and there's this note in front of him that's like, this is the blah, 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 leaving our flesh, blah, 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 blah. And I was just like, this is so fucking cool. And then I found some rum, which upped my... Uh, stamina after drinking it and made everything go wonky and drunk for a little while and mm. I was like this is this is great and that was like one of the, like the first little things I stumbled upon today I didn't even tell you about this I was I went on a hunt so real quick the hunting in this game is a lot of fun it's brutal though so like if you're specifically hunting for one of like the the extreme it's not extreme trophies like the what are they called the legendary animals I think they're called mm you will actually have to track the fucking thing. And it's not like, like, oh, here are the footprints. I'm just going to run that way. Because the thing will either try to kill you immediately or run the fuck away from you. So, yeah. like, you actually have to hunt. You have to bait. You have to make sure you're not downwind. If you're not bathed, it's going to be harder to hunt because they can smell you better. But I, I tried to find this thing. I thought what I found what it was. And I'm hunting it and shooting it several times and hunting it and hunting it. I go to skin it, not the legendary animal. So I had to go back to town and I had to go down this mountain and just in this little cliffside in this like mini cave in the mountain was just a giant skeleton. The 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 skull of the thing was the size of my body, and there's all these little um, there's all these little side missions I guess that you can find. You meet these strangers and they ask you to do things, and the characters in the game are beautifully crafted and everyone that like you actually have dialogue I don't want to say dialogue trees with but have actual interactions with because there aren't any dialogue trees for the most part um, are super interesting and well crafted and you feel for them the fishing is fun fishing is actually fun in this game it's not mm. too boring like yes, yeah. yeah it's not like fucking Sonic Adventure where you're hunting froggy god 
Jesus, don't. Yeah, feel that. Fuck. Feel that. Fuck, dude, I did that. I did that. I beat all of their stories, and all of them gave me pain. Yeah. Yeah. Big. Good old Sonic butt rock. (sighs) But, um, there's... There's just so much to do in the game, and it's the first game in a while where I literally lose track of time. So, like, a couple nights ago, I was playing before bed, and I said to myself... I'll play to like midnight or like 1 a.m., right? And I wasn't doing anything story-wise. I wasn't doing anything crazy. Like, I was just riding around, doing little side missions here and there. And all of a sudden, it's fucking 3 a.m. Yeah. I look down at my phone. I'm like, oh, shit, I need to go to bed. Yeah, I was recently browsing through the Dark Souls 3 Reddit, subreddit, and looking at the best posts of all time. And one of them was the hardest boss in Dark Souls 3 is your alarm clock when you wake up in the morning and I was like fuck dude cause that every time a Dark Souls game comes out the first week it's like I'm going to bed at 3 at the earliest every night for a week like every day of work is fucking agony and I'm racing home to just do it all over again and I'm like I hate myself but I can't stop yeah it's it's just very open world and everything happens very organically especially like little random things you'll get jumped by people while on the road or you'll stop to help people on the road which is why i I completely recommend just going out and and traveling with your horse like you can take a train you can take a stagecoach i think there is some like somewhat fast travel or that can be unlocked later in game but play the game the way it's supposed to be played which is just on the back of your horse man and the like, I, I went to go walk into a shop, and a dude fucking walking out pickpocketed me. Mm. Like, that's just... It's just these things These things will happen to you, and it's it's crazy. And the world they build is very well done. Um, I haven't found anything too crazy. Like, I'm sure they're going to hide some, like, crazier shit in there that I haven't gotten to yet. Well, that's like the whole, that mystery, I think it was in GTA Five about... The serial killer and the ghost and yeah, everything. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, there is one thing, you'll find it pretty quick, I'm not going to mention it just because I was in awe when I found it, um, right outside of Valentine, which is like the first real town you hit, uh, there is something around there, go look for a, it's like a crevasse, and then there's a bridge, uh, uh, not a bridge, but a, well, yeah, a bridge, but for a train, I guess okay. a train bridge. Yeah, that's know. what they call it. Yeah, train bridge, going over top of it, um... And if you if you want to add more thought to who Arthur is as a character, you'll see things, you'll investigate things, and you'll write them down in your journal. So like, flip through your journal, man. He draws little cool pictures. I like I found this like abandoned town, and he, he like drew a picture of it. But he's also a simple man. So all it said above it was, "This is an abandoned town I found." So it's like, it, it's the game's super well crafted. There are some glitches that happened. Um, yeah, the horse brush glitch. So, Dick Fetty and I were playing, and uh, we were trying to do some gambler uh, challenges, and I went to go brush my horse while riding, and it glitched out and wouldn't leave my hand. The so, horse brush. The horse brush. Yeah. So, for a little while, it wasn't game-breaking, and then we were like, all right, let's do these poker challenges, and we went to sit down, and you could not see the poker cards because the horse brush was there. It was fucking hilarious. <laughs> it was really funny. Good old brushy McBrush hands. Yeah. But experience everything you can in the game. Even things like you might not think are fun. At least experience them once. 
Like, for instance, I played Dominoes today. Oh, yeah. I kind of get Dominoes now. Not really. But that was, like, the least fun thing I've done in the game, but it was still kind of fun. Go out, buy the game. It's fucking $60. It's it's a new game, but you it's definitely a lot of bang for your buck because there's definitely a lot to do. You can pick out whole outfits. Um, World to the Wise, though. Can't bang hookers. So if you think you're going to be an old West man who's going to get drunk and bang hookers, you're not. But definitely go out and buy the game 110%. Do you have anything to add to it? Anything? Can I tell the story about what happened the first yes, time I played? Yes, please tell the story. So I am not a stranger to Rockstar games, but I've never played a Red Dead before. But this was basically all because I couldn't find the save button. So the Beardo went to go take a leak, and he said, save the game and you can dick around. And I couldn't figure out where the save button was because it's normally pretty easy in GTA, but for whatever reason, I couldn't find the right screen. So I was like, fuck it. What, what's the worst that's going to happen? I'm in the big city. I'm just going to walk around. So I walk out of this train yard and I start going down the main drag and this black guy robs this guy and his wife and then shoots the wife and kills her. And he runs off. So I'm like, oh, fuck. But I'm like not really prepared and I'm not going to chase this guy down because I haven't saved. I don't want to get in a fight. I can't win. So I'm like, fuck it. So the guy's grieving over the dead body of his wife. And this is all just like, you know, non-scripted, rando interaction stuff. And I walk up to him and I'm trying to console him. And I know that I can't like assault people or shoot people or do like anything because then I'll get a bounty and blah, blah, blah. So in my attempts to console this man, I punch him in the face by accident and he jumps up and he just starts beating the shit out of me and almost kills me. So I'm like, what the fuck? And so I, I try to run away, but then the cops see me and they think I assaulted him. So then all the cops are chasing me. So I'm like, okay, it's fine. I'm just going to hide somewhere and let the heat die down. So I try to run for the docks where I started, but then like, you know, if you've ever played a GTA, the cops just like sort of pop up where you are. So I turn a corner and there's a cop right there and he's shooting at me and I got like no life left. So I'm like, all right, fine. So I jump off the docks and I'm like, I'll just hide in the water. I was like, that's always where I used to hide in GTA 5, so it's totally fine. And what I didn't know is that eventually you run out of stamina and you drown. And so I was like hiding next to a boat, and then they were like ran up on the ferry near the boat, and I was like, oh, they're going to see me. So I like went under the dock, and then I drowned. And Ben came back, and the character just responded. It was like standing against the pole. He's like, did you die? (laughs) I was like, well, you see what happened was, and yeah. It was fucking great. It was like five minutes of just hilarity, total, you know, hijinks ensues type of stuff. And that's the game. Like, you have these random experiences that are awesome. The only thing I don't necessarily agree with is, like, you have, like, an alignment. Either you're a good guy or you're a bad guy. And while, yes, you are an outlaw, you get in more trouble. You you get in trouble for just randomly robbing people outside of storyline or side mission shit. And... Unless they're, like, bad guys, like, there's, like, other roaming gangs that, like, you don't get anything for. Um, and you actually get bonuses to your good guy side of it if you kill KKK members. So, go out and kill KKK members in this game, kids. Yeah. But you, you get way more perks for being a good guy than than you do a bad guy. So, being a bad guy, really all you get is to rob people. Yeah. Being a good guy, you get discounts, you get to unlock outfits and new guns. I feel like it should be a little bit more balanced. I feel like it makes each... the game almost unplayable. No, if you, if, well, not unplayable, uh, but it makes unplayable. it way harder to it, be straight bad. Yeah, <laughs> and I think it should be a little bit more balanced. I think both should have you know check like pluses and minuses in each column. Like you get less of 
If you're if you're too good, like you'll get less option to do certain missions where you get to rob people, or if you're too bad, like um, certain talent. Almost, I get. I can't honestly. I haven't played the first one in a while. I can't remember how it was, but I know like your fame would go up and shit. But I feel like that should be a little bit more balanced. So like. It feels like you're more pushed towards being good than you are being bad, and I think that should have more of a split. Yeah. Now, maybe that's due to the fact that the storyline goes towards you being a complete good guy at one point. Yeah. But it was interesting, because there was something that happened today where I went back to camp and I sat down with one of the other characters, and he's like, Arthur's just like, oh no, I've been going crazy, I've been killing a lot of innocent people, and I was like, shit, I have been killing a lot of innocent people recently. I should probably knock that off. But yeah. It, it does behoove you to be a better person in the game, albeit my second playthrough, which I will eventually do. I'm just going to be a total fucking piece of shit and kill everybody I want and fucking rob all the people I want. Yeah, I think it's not a perfect execution of the system, but I will say the original Mass Effect trilogy did implement the Paragon Renegade system generally pretty well, where sometimes the choices were too binary, but a lot of times there was... You could do a neutral thing and then have, like, you know, do the quest, get the experience, but then extort more money or then decide to kill them all or whatever. So it wasn't ever like you shot yourself in the foot and you didn't have to be, like, a total asshole all the time. Like, there were a little bit shades of evilness and shades of good. And you could pick either side and play through the whole game and be successful. Because, like, my first go-through, I think I went pure Renegade all three games and then I went pure Paragon and then I just played however I wanted in my last playthrough and they were all equally playable and fun and felt different enough to reward you making those choices but also like not like I was being hugely penalized for not yeah doing stuff and it it's not even that you're being I guess you kind of are being penalized I think in the first one once again I haven't played the the, the first Red Dead in a while Red Dead Redemption in a while but I, I'm pretty sure in the first one like if you went more outlaw if you went to towns, like, people would run from you. Yeah. And I... I don't know. Like, they could do something where, like, you'd get certain perks for being a bad guy, but more people would try to fucking gunfight you because you're that badass gunfighter who's killed a shitload of people. Yeah. And you'd have people gunning for you all the time more. Yeah. So, I don't know. I still don't think it ruins the game in any way. It's just something I'd like to see. And once again, I haven't beaten it yet, so maybe it's, like, a storyline thing. I know in the first one, you weren't warden down to a gang and in this one like you have a gang that you have to go back to and talk to and you're there to take care of them you're there to be part of this gang so maybe it's because of that yeah maybe it's just a story aspect thing but you know i'm not a game designer so i'm just a guy who likes them yeah well fair enough well that's it for us tonight so thank you guys for listening as always and uh check us out on our instagram and our facebook page and rate review subscribe all that good stuff or don't either way we're we're happy for anybody who gets to who enjoys what we do and and you know shares it with us so and if you want to contact us uh we also have an email account motohellpodcast at gmail.com pushing it yeah well listen i just want one email hey if you guys want to send us tasteful nudes there that's fine too guy girl as long as you're of legal age we don't care Absolutely, and we will not share them unless you want us to. Yeah, unless you want us to. On our subreddit, which we will eventually have. Yeah. Somebody starts the subreddit. Yeah, right. All right, 
That's it for uh, Bearded Dick's musical fun time this week, boys and so girls. So fun. So sexy. So bearded and musical. And there's a dick. <sighs> Later, nerds. Later.